You're listening to All the King's Men. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Oh, excuse me. Folks, it's Rogi Vashon Day. That's the gong show's favorite ice hockey goalie in the whole world. And he's with the LA Kings. We'd like to dedicate our show to him now. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Late last month, it was announced that Rogi Vashon, former LA Kings goalie, GM, and coach, would be named to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Dave Joseph and I spoke to him shortly after the announcement for our ongoing 50 Kings series, but the announcement was made in the week leading up to the draft, and with all the trades and free agency signings and rumors swirling, we thought we'd wait, and we're bringing it to you now. As always, we appreciate you listening and encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, and we sincerely hope that you're enjoying your summer. Thanks for listening. Here's the episode. As the Kings continue to celebrate our 50th anniversary, our 50 Kings series continues at LAKings.com. I'm Dave Joseph alongside Jesse Cohen and our guest this week. Well, Jesse, he can now sign things with H-H-O-F after them. No, uh, none other than Rogi Vashon, legendary Kings goaltender, Rogi, thank you for joining us, and congratulations on your Hockey Hall of Fame uh, induction, which is coming up November 14th in Toronto. Well, thanks a lot, guys. What, uh, first of all, what was your reaction? This is long overdue. We all know that. We're looking at your numbers, games played, how many records you've set. Uh, so many years in the making. Where were you when you got the call June 27th that you were going to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and and what were your feelings? Well, I, I was at home with my son, Nicholas, and, uh, and I picked up the phone, and uh, Lenny McDonald was on the phone uh, from Toronto and uh, gave me the news. So uh, I was really in shock because I never, I never thought it would happen, you know, after all those years. Yeah, you, you had retired in 1982, and it was actually 34 years to get the call. Uh, did you ever think it would come? Was there, was there something in the back of your head that told you maybe eventually yeah, this is well, going to happen? You know, after the last few years, I, 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 yeah, after the last few years, I completely forgot about it. Uh, I didn't even know at the time that uh, they were they were doing the voting that day, and uh, I just said, well, you know, there's certain things in life you can't control, and that's one of them, and I'll forget about it. When you talk to your uh former teammates and guys that played the game, did you ever get the sense that there was a, a groundswell of support? Of, you know, did you have people telling you, you know, it's a sh- crime that you're not in and, you know, hang in there, it'll happen someday? Or, or or were guys more reluctant to talk about it, do you think? No, I mean, a lot of people were talking about it. A lot of people, uh, a lot of media wrote about it and <clears throat> sent some... Uh, uh, letters to the uh, Hall of Fame committee and that kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, uh, and a lot of people also were saying they were they assumed that I was already in, in the Hall of Fame, and even though and when I kept telling them no, I'm not, and a lot of people were surprised. You uh, you've won the Stanley Cup, you've won the Vezina Trophy, you won the Canada's Cup. You were an all-star. You had your number retired. How does uh, how does this compare to all of those other moments? Well, this is really the ultimate. You know, when <clears throat> when you have a, a, a decent career as a player and 
you know, you look at all the accomplishment and over the years, with personally in the team, and uh, but this this is it, you know. That's the, you know, that's the last one, you know. Really, when, uh, you know, it's such an exclusive club, really, when you think about it. There's not that many players. There's thousands of players around that would like to be there, and there's not a whole lot, not a lot of players doing this. So, you know, I'm very proud of that. You uh, finished 19th overall in total career wins. Um, you played in an era with no shootouts. You had 127 ties, but you never allowed a, a, a penalty shot goal. I'm curious, uh, how do you think you would have done in an era when, when games were decided by a shootout? Well, um, you know, I think I would, I probably would have done pretty good because uh, I was always pretty, uh, pretty good on uh, on breakaways and and one on one against uh, the opposite players. So uh, I think I probably would have done pretty good in the uh, in a shootout. Rogi, your your first shot that you faced was a breakaway by Gordy Howe. Uh, you stopped it. Can you tell me what that was like to face Gordy Howe? And and now that Gordy Howe has has passed, uh, any any stories that you can tell about Gordy? Well, I mean, uh, this is really the ultimate. You know, uh, my I was called up from Houston, Texas, a Montreal Canadian uh, farm team, and the first game was at the farm in Montreal against Detroit Red Wings, and at that time. Uh, during the day, the coach would not tell you which goalie was going to play that night, you know, to make sure that the two goalies are ready to play. So that night, just before the warm-up, uh, the coach gave me the puck, and he said, okay, you're in. So, man, I was just like in, in shock, you know, my first game. <laughs> and just a couple minutes into the game, Gordy Howe comes in all along from the blue line in, and... And he looks in the corner, picks up picks up the corner, puts his head down, and I I come out uh, on him and I stopped him. So I always figured that that save probably kept me in the league for 16 years. <laughs> it was that great glove hand, Rogie, with the great glove hand, of course. Yeah, no, 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 that was a, that was a pat save there. Oh, pat save, okay. And by the way, I don't remember which which part he hit. <laughs> You uh, you played on some incredible Canadians teams with you know some Hall of Fame players. Uh, would you say that you learned? Uh, how do I want to phrase this question? Uh, did playing with such incredible offensive players make you a better goaltender? You you were not allowed to lose. I mean, I'm telling you, if you if if Montreal Canadiens in those days would lose two games in a row, I mean the whole town would panic. So that's what it was. So. It was just like you have to win, no matter what. And, you know, with that kind of attitude uh, that I had in Montreal with the rest of the players, you know, it really carried on when I, when I came in with the Kings and, and for the rest of my career. Rogie, what was that transition like? Uh, you get traded to the Kings in 1971. What was, what was the transition like from East to West? Not only playing here, but... In terms of the media market, uh, being you know playing for a team like Montreal and then coming out west to a team that had only been here three or four years at the time, 
What was that transition like for you? Oh, it was really a, a culture shock. You know, in Montreal, uh, everybody thinks hockey, the whole town, you know, 12 months a year. And when I got traded to the Kings here, you know, we had some nights, we had like 5,000 people at, in the, you know, at the game. And, and our team was not very good, you know, so there was a big change there, getting uh, uh, 40, 50 shots a game instead of uh, 25, you know, in Montreal. So, it, yeah, it was totally different. But, you know, we made the adjustment. My, my family always enjoyed it here. And, you know, all of a sudden uh, the Kings uh, became uh, a real good, solid team. You were named the starting goalie for the Canada Cup for Team Canada in 1976. You played every game. You had a goals against average of 1.39 with two shootouts, or sorry, two shutouts. Uh, were named Team MVP. Um, how difficult was it to play those seven games, and uh, and how much do you cherish the memory of that team? <clears throat> well, it's definitely uh, one of the highlights of my my career. You know, uh, especially playing with all the superstars on the team, you know, you talk, talk about uh, Bobby Orr and, and Dennis Podvang and, you know, you it's on and on the list. I mean, most of most of the players that they were on that team, most of them are in the Hall of Fame. So it was really incredible. And now you, of course, yourself are in the Hall of Fame. Um, you played with a bunch of, uh, you know, as you mentioned, well. <laughs> you played with a, a bunch of future Hall of Famers, <laughs> you yourself now a Hall of Famer. Um, you were the goaltender of record for most Kings uh, records as a goaltender until um, until now Jonathan Quick has been um, racking up the, the wins and, and career statistics. When they wear their throwback jerseys, he wears a mask uh, in honor of you. Uh, I'm wondering um, how you feel now, being an elder statesman of the game, having young players like Jonathan Quick pay homage to you in their masks and their pads. I mean, I think it's really healthy. You know, I mean, it's really, it's really an honor to have one of the best goalies in the, in the league right now, and uh, you know, look him looking back to my days and honoring, sort of honoring me by wearing that type of mask. You know, I mean, it's fantastic. That's great for the. You know, he's a wonderful, a wonderful goalie, but a wonderful person too. Does he remind you a little bit of yourself, Rogie? Well, uh, not the style, obviously, because uh, no, no uh, there's such a big difference between the way we played and, the, and and the way the players are playing, the goalies are playing now. But mainly, I think. You know, I think he reminds me because, you know, he's very, very tough. And even if he gives up one goal, you know, in the back of his mind, it, it, you know, he's telling himself, okay, this is it, no more. And a lot of goalies don't think that way, but I was doing the same thing. So the Gretzky trade, uh, famously, Glenn Sather refused to participate, and uh, most of the negotiations took place between the owners. But over the following years, the Kings and Oilers made a number of trades. Uh, what can you tell us about that era and the building of the Gretzky Kings? Well, obviously, when you, when we uh, when we traded for Wayne, you know, uh, uh, we had to win. We had to win now. So, uh, you know, we, at that time, we didn't have time to 
um, promote some young guys from the minors and that kind of stuff. So we had to have experience and, and especially experience that uh, uh, from players that already won the cup. And, uh, you know, we picked up three or four players at different times, especially from the Oilers, because they won so many cups and they know how to win. Rogie, speaking of uh, guys that you, you drafted or traded for, uh, you drafted Luke Robitaille back in 1984. Uh, tell me what the scouting report was on Luke, I believe, ninth-round pick. How did that all come about? <clears throat> yeah, well, the, the problem, according to the scouts, that, uh, it, you know, his skating was not good enough to play in the National Hockey League. And I think that's why he lasted that long. And then me, I saw him play uh, during the winter in Ottawa. And, you know, he was popping goals uh, left and right. And I could not understand why he was not going to be picked, you know, uh, early on. And all of a sudden, when we came in, I kept asking the scouts, how about Luke? Well, we can get him later, you know, in a later round. Because in those days, we had 12 rounds. So when we came to the ninth round, I said, listen, I want him. I want you to draft Luke right now. Let's not wait till the 10th or whatever. <clears throat> so we made that move, and then, uh, you know, uh, I guess it paid off. <laughs> and here so. you are now, both in the <laughs> Hockey Hall another, of Fame together. Another, another, that was not a bad Hall of Fame ninth round. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good pick, yeah. What what uh, what was your experience like as a GM compared to being a player and you serving as interim coach? Did you like being a GM? Was that something you enjoyed? Yeah, it's yeah, it's really uh, especially the in my days when I first came in as a GM, uh, you're pretty much on your own. You know, like uh, there was no salary cap in those days, and the GM does just about everything. You know. Uh, do the trades, uh, take care of the scouts. Uh, you know, there's no uh, lawyer involved, you know, to uh, take care of the salary cap and, and, and sometimes make trades. Everything is, was done by the GM in those days. And that was a lot of work. And I spent a lot of time in the office talking to negotiating contracts. and so. But that was uh, very challenging. What about dealing with the players back then or, or- – I'm thinking player agents, but it's not the player agents that we have come to know today. What, was it more difficult, you think, to negotiate contracts back then, or was it easier? I, I think it was. Uh, I think it was tougher because now um, the GM has an excuse because he has a salary cap. So if you negotiate a contract with one of his top players and what he's saying is, okay, I'll, I only have $5 million a year for you. you. I know you want six or seven, but if you want to stay here, I don't have any choice. I've got to give you five. But in my days, sometimes I would fight over uh, an extra $5,000 on a contract or 10000 So those are the big difference. You were the first Detroit Red Wing to be paid over a million dollars a season. Um, when you see the kind of contracts that players are signing now, ten, nine million, ten million, and before the salary cap, maybe eleven, twelve, thirteen million dollars a year, um, 
do you ever worry sometimes that players might be getting paid too much, or do you feel like it's they're finally getting paid what they're owed? No, I, I think uh, I think it's fair. Uh, players are, you know, especially in hockey right now, uh, it's still. If you compare it to the other sports like baseball and basketball, it, 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 players are still pretty low salary. You know, the salary cap is is going up all the time, but. Uh, I think now it's fair that if a player is is a top player on your team or in the league, he should be paid accordingly. You mentioned that you drafted Robitaille in the ninth round and that you told the scouts how badly you wanted to acquire him. So you could say you sort of handed him his NHL career. Flash forward to 2012 after the Kings win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Did Robitaille hand you anything to uh, repay you for that? Yeah, yeah. He gave me... uh, Hey, give me your Stanley Cup ring. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't too shabby. I didn't expect it because I was not really directly involved with the Kings anymore. And so that was a very pleasant surprise. They had you and uh, Marcel Dion carry the banner out onto center ice. And, you know, the, the team has put a, a focus on reconnecting with its history um, certainly into the Dean Lombardi era. Um, how much uh, contact do you have with the franchise today, and uh, how much do you hope to have moving forward? Well, you know, right now, uh, in the last uh, three or four years, I only do special events for the Kings. You know, Luke would call me and say, okay, uh, I need you for a luncheon over here or dinner or special game. <clears throat> but I really don't do anything directly with the Kings anymore. Uh, but, you know, I watch the games all the time, and uh, every time there's a need, uh, I'm there. Rogi, uh, I mentioned before East versus West and, and playing in the East versus the West. If you had spent the rest of your career in Montreal, do you think you would have gotten into the Hall of Fame sooner? Um, well, it, it depends because... You know, if I would have played with Montreal, uh, you know, Ken Dryden was there. So that's the reason why I decided not to stay there. I could have stayed in Montreal for that many years playing number two goalie and, uh, you know, win maybe three or four more cups. In those days, maybe more. You know, they, they won cup after cup. So I could have done that, but I was still young and, you know, I really wanted to be number one goalie. I was not interested to play 15 games, 20 games, and, you know, so um, actually I asked to be traded because Kenny was going to play, Ken Dryden was going to play the big bulk of the games, and, you know, sitting on the bench and playing 15 games a year, I was not interested in that. The 1974-75 Kings earned 105 points, which to this day remains a club record. Is that a record that means a lot to you? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. Really. Uh, and don't forget, uh, like you say, there was no extra point for uh, for overtime or shootouts and that kind of stuff. It was just like straight 82 games, and those are the points. So, and also, 
that year, we were in the same division of Montreal Canadiens. And Montreal Canadiens wind up beating us for first place. Uh, they had 113 points, and we had 105. And that was a pretty tough division. So looking back, um, you know, I, I was I was really proud of that for the and and it, and the record still still intact. So I'm a little surprised on that. You began your career without a mask uh, before the advent of goalies wearing masks. How difficult was it for you to adjust to uh, all the different evolutions of, of goalie masks over the years? It was a little rough, yeah, at the start, because, you know, you're used to uh, uh, playing without a mask, and then, uh, but gradually, you start using a mask in practice, and then uh, 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 when I first started wearing a mask in the game, I had a, I was injured, I had a a big, I got a shot in the ear, and we were going to, uh, in the West, actually, at that time, and I decided to wear the mask pretty much the whole time after that. Uh, you famously had the uh, the two crown mask, and and before that you had the uh, the simpler version of it. Um, do you ever worry uh, about oh I don't know the the identity of goaltenders being lost behind the masks ever? No, not really. You know, it was. Uh, uh, originally, the masks were very simple, you know, there was no color on it, and then some goalies started to put, to, to put some nice painting on it and design, and, you know, that was a big evolution of the mask, and, you know, we started to do the same thing, and that's why I, I, don't, I don't recall exactly how I came up with those two crowns on my mask, but... I guess everybody loved it. Do goalies wear too much equipment today? Well, it's hard to say because uh, if somebody says that, you're going to get sued if somebody gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there is an incredible difference between, you know, the what the padding we had, even, you know, especially the shoulder pads and the belly pads and that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, my kids, uh, um, my grandson, Calvin, he's a goalie. And I swear to God, his, his protection as a 10-year-old was twice as twice better than what I was wearing in the National Arctic. I mean, you can see even the mask now, for the, even for the young guys, uh, the shoulder pads, everything is is bulky but very light and uh, there's so much more protection you know it's incredible can you imagine if you had that same equipment when you played back in the day oh yeah i mean just uh just a glove the catching yeah. glove for it's example enormous. no it's enormous you know you just put the glove there and and most of the time the player's going to hit it in my days we had a small glove so you had to go and move and get it <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of talk about shrinking, uh, or rather, not shrinking the goalie equipment, but maybe expanding the nets in order to uh, encourage scoring. Goalies are obviously a lot uh, taller than they used to be. You know, the average height I think is somewhere around six foot four, or something like that. Do you think the game needs more scoring to be exciting, or would you rather see them focus more on maybe shrinking the goalie equipment and changing some other rules? 
Well, um, it's debatable, you know, really, when you think about it. Uh, I wouldn't like to see, personally, I wouldn't like to see uh, the net getting bigger because it changed all the, it would change all the records over the, over the, the last 100 years, in, uh, in, you know, in the National Hockey League. So it, now with the bigger net, uh, yeah, there'll be more scoring, but all of a sudden you would have to start new stats with the new nets because what happened before it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, speaking of the new nets, uh, it used to be back when you played, you had the big pegs that were dug into the ice too, and guys were, you know, they wouldn't go 100% to the net, go all out and crash the net because they were afraid, yeah, you'd probably break a leg or blow out a knee if you hit the post. These days the posts come off and the net goes flying. Do you think that changes guys' mentality when they when they approach the goaltender and sometimes end up crashing into the goaltender? Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, like uh, one guy comes in 100 miles an hour on a bad angle, you know, in the, in the past, um, you know, guys were a little reluctant of over there because the net's not going to move. And you're going to break a you break an arm on the on the post or break a leg. Like I was playing with Montreal Canadiens and you know back in the seventies, <clears throat> and uh, Serge Savard, who was playing with me, was chasing a guy, and he sort of ran me over because he was he he dove to try to stop the guy and he hit the post and broke his leg. Hmm. So now these days it's not it's not happening. So they crashed the net more. Well, Rogi, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. And again, a well-deserved, long time coming, way overdue. Congratulations on getting the call. Your, your, your induction to the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Jesse, any final thoughts? We're good. Thank you very much, Rogi. Rogi, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you, guys. You can read and hear each weekly interview featuring a different Kings alum by visiting lakings.com slash news.